We're glad you're here, y'all, and it's going to be an amazing day. And honestly, thank you for being a part of Three Oaks Church. Today, I want to spend some time, and I'm going to continue our series on baggage. But before we do that, I want us to take a few minutes and, and just be reminded of what's going on in the world around us. You know, we live in a time where it seems like biblical prophecy is unfolding literally before our eyes every week. And today's no different. As we see what's going on in Israel and we see the attacks, all you have to do is open up the Bible. And it's amazing to see and to realize that God's got a plan in this. But our job is to not sit back and be quiet, to not sit back and do nothing and just wait. Our job is to join in on the spiritual warfare and stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel. We've all seen the horrific pictures and videos. We've all seen that. We know this world is evil. There's so much evil, it's hard to even wrap our heads around. But what I do know is this, is that we're gonna pray for our friends. Now, we're working through a, a couple different sources to kind of nail down how we can best help in that situation. So by next week, I'll be able to bring you, here's what we're gonna do. And uh, so be praying about that. Somebody said, can we send stuff? We wanna send, we wanna start taking up items. I said, no, don't do that because that's not what they need. You can't get it in anyway. But what we can do is financial help there is the best way to help them. So there's two different agencies. I'll tell you more about that next week and, uh, and we'll have that nailed down. But before we do anything, I want us to pray for Israel right now together as a family. Father, Lord, as we stand or sit in this place today, we know there are families that are mourning loss on both sides. But Father, today we know that your word says that we should stand, that we, that as Israel goes, so do we. And Father, right now we stand with our brothers and sisters. And Lord, I ask for supernatural protection over the sons and daughters that are fighting to protect and fighting to keep it safe. Father, I ask this for those families that we are connected to from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. God, I pray that they would be strengthened and encouraged, that they would know that they're not alone and that the people of the Lord would rise and be counted. So Father, right now, we just bind the hand of the enemy. As we've said so many times, let your word come forth. And Lord, we declare victory in the name of Jesus. May peace be in Israel. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, kind of with this thing all in mind, you know, today we're seeing seemingly the world is just tearing itself apart. Everywhere we look, 
You know, once upon a time, the United States was, uh, and, and I know it's still a strong nation where I'm grateful for who, who we have been able to be in the world, but we could be so much more. And I never thought there would be a day that I would say and could actually conceive in my mind the day when the United States wasn't the, the powerhouse in the world. But now I can see the fact that when we look at Bible prophecy and we say, well, where's the United States in all this? And we see this and how you have a hard time imagining how a nation, a superpower, could not be visible inside of all that. That's a deeper study and a deeper dive. But what I want to tell you is this. We're watching the world seem to come apart at the seams. And so many times I look at that, and even though we know as believers if we've been taught, if we read the word, we know that scripture is there to encourage us, to tell us this is what's happening. This is, expect this, be prepared for these things. And even though the Bible says in the first part of Revelation where it says, you know, if those that read these words will be blessed. In other words, it's saying these aren't times to be afraid. These are times to know we are blessed. Why? Because we have a great hope. Because we know what happens. Because God has already given us that truth. But when we come into the real world, when we come in, I'm not saying that's not the real world. Of course it's the real world. But when we come to the struggle of flesh, of being people, are there any people, just regular people in here today? Okay, all right, just making sure. But when we come to that battle, I'm gonna tell you, there are times when we're watching what's happening and we can get anxious. We can deal with fear, right? Today, that's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about this baggage of fear in our lives. And I wanna remind you before we read our scripture that of this, that this world is not our home. When you look at the happenings in the world, you, look, you have to remember as a child of God, we remember this world is not our home because when we follow Christ, we have hope. Why do we have hope? Even in the midst of trouble, we have hope because we know the end of the story and that's worth so much. But the question is this, okay, pastor, we have that, but how do I live that? That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you would, would you stand to your feet? We're going to read our text. And I know in the back on the media team, they can click up my screen there so I'll have my information that I need. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Here's what the Word says. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There's some powerful pieces to these two scriptures that I want you to understand. It's about awareness and preparedness to know that the enemy is out to destroy those that he can. My job is to make you be the ones that he cannot. 
And that's what I want you to be when you walk out of this room today, that you're better prepared for when the enemy wants to throw anxiety and fear on you because of the situation in the world, that you can walk out and say, no, I don't receive that because I know the end of the story. I serve a God of hope. Oh, I'm going to preach. Let me, let me stop. I got to pray. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to be with your people. And today, God, I pray that as we sow the seed of your word, that God, it would return a great harvest of good in each of our lives. That's always. I also pray this, Father, that your word would cut to the very marrow of who we are, to the deepest parts, the hidden parts, that it might be exposed to the truth and the light of your word. So, Father, today, I ask you to be with us. I ask you to convict us, each one, of the places where we fail, where we fall short. Help us to be the people that we need to be. And we love you, we praise you, and I pray this, God. When we leave our time together today, we will leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, we've talked about some very serious subject matter already leading up to this point. And for the next few minutes, I want to help give you some tools today, scripturally, that will help you walk into a stronger tomorrow, a stronger week, you know, to be who God's called you to be. But, you know, fear, fear is one of those weird emotional things, right? It's like there are, there are rational fears and there are irrational fears. You know? how, how many of you have rational fears, like rational fears? What would a rational fear be? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, falling off of a, a, a ledge of height or, or burning yourself or so, you know, th- those are rational fears. But you know, there are some irrational fears, And I want to kind of think about that for a minute because it reminds me when I was a kid, and some of you may know this story, but back in 1984, the world was changed for the worse. 1984. There was a man named Isaac that came onto the scene. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about Isaac here in just a moment, but in 1984, I was a teenager and I'll never forget, so this was about 1985 when this event took place. And I remember, unlike any of our wonderful kids in the house today and your children who never make mistakes and never would do anything bad, anyway, uh, you know, uh, I had, there are teenagers in here, Uh, I had been out with my friends and I had missed my curfew. Let's just say it like that. Okay, I had missed my curfew by several hours. And I remember my friends were breaking, bringing me home, and we had this long driveway to my dad's house. And I, they stopped at the road and said, here we are. And I went, dude, my dad's driveway is like half a mile. Take me to the house. I said, we know your dad. We are not going down that driveway. And I'm like, God, you got to be kidding me. It's like, it's like 3 a.m., man. It's like, it was late. And I'm like, oh, golly, I got to get in the house now and I'm going to get killed. And I remember they dropped me off and they took off. They left me. They were gone. And as I'm walking down that path, 
I'm looking around, and this time there was corn. My, the, there was cornfields on both sides of the driveway, all the way back, nearly to my father's house at the time. And I'll never forget as I was walking through there. Yeah, I was fine. I was just going home. I was more worried about what was going to happen when I got home. And all of a sudden, this thought entered my mind: Isaac. Now, see, maybe you didn't put this together, and when I say the world was a better, a worse place in 1984, because there was a movie that came out called Children of the Corn. Now, I know some of you are so Christian, you've never heard of that. And I'll be honest, I never even saw the movie. But I saw the previews, and that was enough. So I'm walking down this narrow driveway, and the moon is full, and the corn is high enough that the stalks are kind of waving in the air, right crossing that moon. And I'm going, I'm going, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. Have you ever had that issue? It's like, stop that. Don't think about that. That's a movie. That's stupid. It's all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, something would grip my heart. That thought would take control. And I would start running like at full top speed because I'm just waiting for somebody to come out of that corn stalk field. I am just waiting. Fear got me. But here's the good news. I got control of myself, and I started walking. And I said, now that's dumb. That is so stupid. And I got about 10 paces past that point, and it all happened all over again. And I'm running full speed to the house. So stupid. It's fear. What happens? Fear wreaks havoc in your mind. So what I want to tell you today is if the enemy is going to use anything in our lives, the tool that he can use the easiest and the fastest to affect believers and cause them not to be who God's called them to be and to act irrationally instead of on what they know to be truth is to cause them to react in fear. What I am telling you today is this. As we look around the world and we see this, I want you to understand that as an American perspective, we have a very different approach, and not a, I don't know what the right word would be. It just hadn't come to my mind yet. It will, you know, four hours from now after I don't need that word. But we have this existence, this, this life that we live that's very different than people like, let's say, in Israel. In Israel, they have enemies on every side that want to not just take the nation. You need to understand that. They don't want to just take the nation. They want to destroy everything that is Jewish. So when we look at that, and, and you know, and I, you know, can I just say this? Because I want you to understand, people say, well, there's more than one side to that story. I don't even want to hear it. Because just the evidence that we have, even to this, outside of religious talk and scriptural talk, I'm looking at it going, okay, enough's enough. But what I can tell you is this, their experience is very different than ours. Because they're always in a mindset of being prepared for battle. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but I remember, my, I remember when I went and, and as I was there, it was this weird thing when these teenagers would be walking around with like M16s strapped across their shoulder. And I remember the first part, I was like going, oh gosh, those are teenagers. What in the world, you know? And then by the time I was there for a while, I was like, you know what? I feel actually pretty safe because you're in the cafe having coffee with somebody and you're sitting there and there are three or four teenagers scattered around the thing and they've got guns laying against the table. They're prepared. In America, we think a lot slower. We tend to think we're invincible. We're, we're kind of like 
uh, as us old people would say, teenagers sometimes think they're invincible. You know, it's like nothing's going to hurt them. You know, we get a little older, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I look at, oh, there's, I got to clean those gutters out. And I'm thinking, what could happen if I, because you know, it's going to take a lot longer to heal if I fall off that, you know, those things, you know, it's a slower think. So it's almost like we're the teenagers and they're the adults in the fact that they're prepared. They understand that things can change on a dime where we, we here are kind of insulated and we think things don't affect us. What I want you to do is part of that's an, a, a, a psychological reaction to the state of the world. Because we don't want to deal with the things that are happening around us. It's easier to ignore it, to turn, sometimes to turn the TV off, and some of us need to turn the TV off. Some of us need to control the consumption of what we're taking in all the time. But what I can tell you is this, is when fear takes hold of our lives, it wreaks havoc. It kind of sets that fight or flight mode in. And I'm going to add another one in there. There's fight or flight that fear can, can start, but there's also the deer in the headlights effect. You know, have, have you ever been so scared you couldn't move? I'm going to tell you one more story, then I'll get to more scripture. I don't know, I'm in storytelling mode this morning. So uh, I, I, I loved, I know this is terrible parenting, okay? I loved to scare my kids. Anybody else? Jesus like, come on, let's be honest. He's like, I loved, you know, so, and I would, I'm very patient, and my daughter, Malia, at the time, she had, uh, she, her room was in the basement. That's not nearly as bad as it sounds. Uh, but she had this big room in the basement. And man, when the lights were out, it was pitch dark. You couldn't see anything. Well, she had this big full-length mirror in the corner of her room. And so uh, she was coming home, and, and I knew she was coming home. So I went and hid myself behind that mirror and waited. I waited for about, I don't know, I was probably back there for an hour and a half, just waiting. And I had a collection of things. I had a plan, man. And my poor daughter, she's scarred to this day. But, uh, you know, and so, so she gets in the bed and she's talking on her phone. And, uh, and she's saying, the lights go out. And she, she's talking. So I started making some noise. You start a little bit at a time. Because what you do with fear is you start a little bit, a little bit, a little bit so you can get the imagination going. So see, I'm telling you, I got problems. Anyway, so, so I started doing that and, and then and she says, I think I heard something. And I'm, I'm back there just dying, trying not to laugh and ruin the whole thing. And so finally, you know, I take the things that I have and I toss one across the room. And she hears it, she goes, oh my God. Oh gosh, I, something's in the room. And so then I start really rattling it, you know. And then she goes, <laughs> and she's telling her friend, I think her friend's telling her, get out of the room. And she says this on the phone. I don't know if you remember this or not. She goes, I can't move. <laughs> she, she was so afraid she couldn't move. Then I feel guilty and then I got to repent. But anyway, the point is sometimes fear causes you to do nothing. And what I want to tell you today this is not a time for nothing. This fight or flight thing that comes up in us is a time that there is no flight anymore. It's time to fight. It's time to stand up with our spiritual armor on. 
and say, look, I'm not going to tolerate this fear. The enemy's not going to control me through fear. I know that those emotions are going to hit me, but I want to know what do I need to do when that comes on me so that I can be an overcomer instead of being overcome. That's not correct English, but we'll figure it out later. But here's what I want us to really grab a hold of today. And here are some reminders. I'm just going to give you two today. Here's your first one. As this world becomes darker, remember that you have the power to rise above all fear. Don't let it control you. When you allow fear to control you, your mind will create irrational issues that you can't even change. I always tell people, you know, you know, if you're going to worry about something, you know, and we shouldn't worry about things, and I know that's, you know, that's easier said than done, right? But so many times we worry about things that we have no control over. And sometimes in this world, we don't have control over everything that's going on, but we know who does. So what I would tell you in this place is as the world gets darker, remember, you have the power to overcome all fear. And I want to tell you this because I know, as I'm watching this, I had to flip uh, sermons because I, I rewrote this sermon four times this week. Because the thing I was dealing with most this week was people's fear and anxiety of what's going on. Can I tell you this, is that I've come to the place in my life, I see the terrible things going on, and I'm, and I'm gonna do everything that I can. We're gonna do everything we can. We're all standing in this together, but I know this. I'm not gonna get depressed. I'm not gonna get down. I'm not gonna get sideways. Why? Because I know the end of the story. I know that God's placed us here for this time, for this battle, for this season. And when we realize that, it changes how we react. Do you know what I've learned about irrational fear? That if you focus on the mission, if you focus on the, what you're doing, the fear almost goes away. See, I have a terrible fear of heights. I do not like heights. Anybody that knows me knows how I feel about that. And in the production world that I was in for so many years, you know, there was always something way up in the studio ceilings that had to be changed. These light bulbs, you know, these big, huge lights. And, and they would want to take you up on a lift, that's what we'd use. We'd use a lift to go up. And I don't know if you've ever been on a lift, but I hate those things. Because here's what happens. The further you go up, it's just doing this all the way. And some people are like, oh, this is fun. I'm like going, stop that. What is wrong with you? And I would just freak out and freak out. But then I discovered something one day because the job had to be done. I had to get it done before the show started. So it's like, we got to get it done. I learned I could get in the thing get the lamp in my hand, hold the controls, and I would look up at the, my target. And I would focus on that. I've got to get that out. I would take it straight up. I would get it out, put it back in, all the stuff. The fear I had was irrational because I was safe. You know, so that's what we do in life sometimes. And you say, well, how do I deal with these things? Is focus on what your mission is. I think one of the, pe the reasons people have so much anxiety and fear is because they're aimless in life. You don't, have a, you don't have a target that you're even shooting at. So in other words, you're just letting life happen to you. you can I tell you something? If you're just letting life happen to you, the enemy's going to have a heyday with your life. So what I'm telling you as a believer, as we look at these scriptures, being sober, being vigilant, as 1 Peter teaches us, we need to realize that the enemy really is out to destroy us, to cause us issue. 
And a chief way he does that is fear. That's what we see in this world. I've said it many times that I believe that the curse of this generation is anxiety. I've never seen anxiety like I see it now. I hear the talk of that. And can I tell you this? You can overcome that. Absolutely. I'm telling you, it's a spiritual thing. 2 Timothy 1, chapter, 7, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says it like this. For God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear. He's not given us that, but of power and of love and of a, of a sound mind. So when we understand this, we need to learn. Fear is something that's going to happen in your life. Fear is a natural emotion that's going to come on you. The choice is what do I do with it when it comes on me? Do I let it control me or do I use it for fuel? And what I'm going to encourage you to do is you use that fear for fuel to be who God called you to be. To stand up to what needs to be stood up to. To be a person of justice. To be a person that is in, involved in making things right. Building the kingdom of God. Standing for what needs to be stood for. All of these things make such a difference. But so it comes down to this question. How do we combat it? How do we really combat fear? What does the Bible say? Well, here's a scripture that may be a little, maybe you've not even heard the scripture. It's Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now you say, what does that scripture have to do with it? Well, everything. Well, then what does to cling even mean? So a quick definition for to cling is to remain persistently or stubbornly faithful to, to hold on tightly, to cling. So let love be without hypocrisy. That's a whole sermon in itself. Abhor what is evil. Another sermon all unto itself. Cling, hold on desperately, hold on tightly, persistently, stubbornly to what is good. Because here's the thing that you need to understand. The enemy would love nothing more than to have you cling to fear instead of God. Um, instead of the good. Instead of the things that, that he's called us to. He tells us over and over, focus on these things. Think about these things. We know all this stuff in Philippians and all that tells us, here's what you dwell on. Here's what you think about. But too many of us are so focused and let me say hyper-focused on what's going on and it's not about the information. It's about your response to the information. You are a child of the living God. You were created and called to live in this moment, in this season. So we, we must not be surprised by the attack of the enemy in, in that spiritual world on our lives and the use of fear and anxiety as a chief tool to get you out of the way, to push you back. Can I tell you something? Because you were created for this moment, God needs you. He has called you to this moment. And you may say, I'm insignificant in this. That is a lie from the enemy. You are never insignificant. And can I tell you this? God has not finished with what you've done. Some of you may be saying, I've already done my thing for God. I already, no, no, you have not. Because as long as you have breath in your body, God has called you to this battle. This is who we are. We are people of the living God. But you need to remember, when it comes to these things, Jesus came to set you free. He came to set you free. But you can still choose anxiety over hope. 
You can choose fear over peace. It's up to you. But I can tell you this. The more you walk in the Spirit, the more you walk with the fullness of the Spirit of God in your life, the more you'll recognize these things when they come upon you. I've had so many moments of, of life issues and challenges that have come on, and when, that, when they come on, it's like the first time you go through something, it's like, oh gosh, and, and this, this fear wants to kind of get on you and settle on you and make you anxious and just wear you out, you can't sleep, all these different things. Then you overcome that, you, 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 per, you persist and you persevere through that. You get to the other side and then all of a sudden, you know, it comes on you again and then that fear kind of settles in, tries to settle in and all of a sudden you go, oh no, we're not doing that. What happens? It's experience because you know what to do at that point. What I'm trying to help you with, some of you don't know what to do. It's like when it comes on you, you just let it come on you and say, Life, life is just terrible. Existence is awful. I should have been born 30 years ago instead of, you know, or 30 years ago, 100 years ago instead of now. You know, I should have been born during the revival movements. Can I tell you something? You were born in a revival movement in one of the greatest revivals that the world will ever know. But if you're so wrapped up in your fear, you're not gonna see it. So that's what we gotta be free of. So how do we do it? The first thing is understand, the first thing you need to wrap up, and if there was one phrase that I could tell you is the most important for you to have today is this, as the scripture said, cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. What do I mean by that? Cling to God. Cling to him. When that fear comes on you and you don't know what to do, when that fear kind of comes in and tries to dissuade you from what God's called you to, or maybe you're starting with a promise we were talking about during worship today and you feel like that promise has been forgotten or whatever, or maybe you've made too many mistakes and how can God still release that in my life? Those are things that the enemy wants to sneak into your heart. I'm telling you today that you can overcome that fear. How? Trust in God. Trust in God. And I've learned, people say, Pastor, that's so easy to say. It's also easy to do. But it's a releasing of yourself. It's a releasing of your will. It's a releasing and saying, God, I don't understand everything. I don't understand how people can do what they do in this world. I don't understand how people can be so demon-possessed that they can destroy children's lives. I don't understand these things. I don't understand how God puts it all together and makes this all make sense. But it's not for me to understand. There's a place where I have to say, God, I trust you with whatever happens to me. And the question is, if you're gonna trust in God, you've gotta deal with those fears. You've gotta learn, how do I hand that off to God? I've learned in my own life, it comes down to a choice. And that choice is this, and it's your last key thought, that you can choose to walk in darkness and fear, or you can choose to walk in light and hope. It really does come to a choice. And you say, Pastor, that's way too easy. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that it's something that you, you can do and you must do. 
At the end of the day, we realize this. You either choose to walk like the world walks or you choose to walk as God wants you to walk. And God wants you to walk in faith, not fear. In trust. You can't have faith without trusting God. So if we walk in that trust, we walk in that place, we know God's got this. God, use me. In other words, instead of letting fear and anxiety of everything that's going around, you realize, God, what have you called me to do in this moment? What is my mission? What is my purpose? What am I doing right now? For some of you, it's making sure your sons and daughters are right with God. For some of you, it's making sure that the people around you know Jesus. For some of you, there are different missions that God has for all of us in different seasons. But I'm telling you, like, I'm going up in that lift, and I'm terrified when I'm looking around. But when I get focused on what the goal is, on what I've got to get done, the fear dissipates. And that's what I want to tell God will do in your life as well. But as long as you're just kind of aimless, you're going to deal with anxiety. But when you know who you are and you know what you're called to, that all changes because you now you have purpose. So let me give you some action steps just real quick. A few action steps. I'm going to give you the scriptures. I don't have time to go over the scriptures, but you can write them, write them down. Some of them we've went over today. but So action steps for end-time believers. No matter the circumstance, cling to what is good. No matter what it looks like, cling to what is good. Romans 12, verse 9. Be alert and prepared for the enemy's attack. It's not when, or it's not, it's not if, it's when. It's going to happen. So be prepared for it. So understand, that's 1 Peter 5, 9 that we read. So in prayer should be our first response. Prayer. Can I tell you this? Your first response when we see the evil in the world is not, well, let me call Sally Joe. Sally, why do you think about what's going on? I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm telling you, though, your first response ought to be, I'm falling on my knees and I'm seeking the face of God. God, what's going on in this world? God, protect this. Protect that. God, you, you and your sovereign might. Father, we submit to you. But God, right now, I intercede on behalf of this. I, I intercede on behalf of Israel. Whatever those things are in your life, you've got to learn that our first response should be prayer. Not just a last-ditch effort when everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It's like, no, that's our first response. And the last one's found in Ephesians 6. And it's engage. This is spiritual warfare. And today what I'm telling you is this, that whether you want to see it or not, the battle's here. The enemy's fighting hard. If you've not felt it in your family or felt it in your communities, if you've not felt it uh, just everywhere around us, then there's something wrong. You're numb, and you need to ask God to give you a, a new heart because it's here. And I can tell you this as an adult, well, sometimes. It's our job to make sure that we're being the mothers and the fathers and the grandparents, the leaders, the mentors that God's called us to be in this time. Because our kids are fighting battles we never had to fight. They're facing the enemy in such a stronger place than we ever had because Christianity and faith was always stronger in our nation when we were young. But now, we don't live in a Christian nation like we did when we were young. So these 
These young people are fighting. These young people and young adults, they're fighting battles we didn't have to fight. Not to the level they are. So our job is to make sure that we are interceding for them and showing them this is what we need to be. In other words, you need to be more committed to your faith now than you've ever been in your life. I'll say it this way. Those little persistent sins that you just keep playing with and you just keep around because, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm just human. You better deal with your stuff because people are watching. Your children are watching. People are watching. And now let's not take any chances. Let's not be foolish. Let's deal with the stuff that needs to be dealt with because today is important. This moment is important. So fear, let it be the fuel that gets you to the goal, not what keeps you from the goal. Don't let fear control you. You're an overcomer. You're a child of God. And I promise you, if I can do it, I know you can. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, this morning as we come together and we close our time, I pray this, God, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, Lord, to the truth of what's happening in us, that you would convict us, God, of the things where we just kind of kept tap down. We've just learned to be afraid and we live with it. When God, you didn't call us to live in fear. You called us to live in power. You called us to have a sound mind. So Father, right now, I rebuke the spirit of fear. And I ask you, Father, to touch, to change every one of us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. Say, Pastor, I've been dealing with some fear. And I... I need you to pray for me, man. I, I need help. If that's you, just right where you're sitting, say, Pastor, that's me. Just slip your hand up and say, don't forget me, Pastor. I need that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Amen. You can place your hands back down. Now I'm gonna ask everyone in this room if you would stand to your feet. I'm gonna ask our altar workers, our pastors that are available to make their way to the front as quickly as possible. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. And this is just, I'm telling you as the spirit kind of leads it in my heart is this. You carried that fear in here and you, you know you need to be free from it. You don't wanna carry that fear anymore. You need prayer. I'm gonna be praying for you this week, but that's not, all you need. Today, you need to come to the altar and you need to be praying with a believer. You don't have to confess what your fear is, so to speak, all that, but you need someone to agree with because it's a spiritual thing and it needs to be broken and there's power when somebody agrees in prayer and there's a laying on of hands. I'm telling you, something powerful happens and you don't need to leave here carrying what you came in with. It's time to be free. So that's a challenge to you. If you wanna be free, right here. It's your day. Now, I'm gonna ask you one more thing. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I know there's sin in my life. I've gotta change some things. I need to come to Jesus. I'm gonna ask you one more time to bow your head and close your eyes. 
You say, Pastor, that's me. Today I need to get right with God. I don't need to leave here the same as I came in. I need Jesus today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. You can place your hands back down. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray this prayer first as a family. It's a simple prayer of salvation, but I, I need you to hear me. This prayer in and of itself is not what saves you. This is the start of the process. The fact that you felt God pulling on you and you feel convicted, that's God calling you. And the Bible says if you believe on him, you'll be saved. Now, there's another place where it says if you'll be faithful to confess your sins, he'll be faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. That's where this prayer comes in. Because now it's this verbal statement. God, I receive you. But I'm also going to tell you this. A real conversion is when you allow God to change your heart. That's when the, that's when the beauty happens. You say, how do I know? Because you, you need to get engaged. You need to have people around you. So you say, what do I do with that? Let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to help you because you're worth it. So we're gonna pray this prayer together as a family all across the South. So let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I'm forgiven and I'm a new creation. I receive you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.